Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have seen and heard how you have lavished your love on us so that we might be called the children of God. And today, Lord, we are grateful for the love that drew salvation's plan and for the grace that brought it down to man. Father, we thank you for the promise of eternal life and pray that you would teach us to receive it as a gift in the strong name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. God is good. All the time. I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, who was uh, a great physicist. He was man of the century, according to Time magazine, uh, for the last century. One day he was traveling from Princeton on a train. Conductor was uh, punching tickets and uh, came to the professor and said to him, uh, can I punch your ticket? And he looked in his pocket and couldn't find it, reached in his other pocket, searched in his briefcase, looked on the seat, had just about given up when the conductor said, Mr. Einstein, I know who you are. You don't have to worry about it. I'm sure you bought a ticket, and the fact that you can't find it doesn't bother me at all. And he went on back and continued punching tickets. When he got to the back of the car, he turned around and looked back and saw Einstein on his hands and knees, underneath a chair, searching diligently. And he ran back to him and said, Mr. Einstein, didn't you hear me? You don't have to look for your ticket. You don't even have to have a ticket. We know who you are. And he looked up at the conductor. Mr. Einstein said, young man, I know who I am. What I don't know is where I am going. And I'm sure that's on the ticket. In our study of Jesus in recent weeks, we have seen that Jesus knew who he was. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus knew where he was going. And he tried to take as many people with him as he could by saying, follow after me. I wonder, do you know where you're going? Dare I ask, do we know who we are until we walk in Jesus way until we trust in Jesus truth until we live Jesus life we will never know who we are or where we are going would you open your Bibles with me to the gospel of John chapter 10 verses 9 through 11 we'll come back to chapter 14 verse 6 which we've been studying for these weeks And let's stand together as we read God's Word. Tonight, we begin a new series. Only the Lord knows how long this series is going to take. It's 66 uh, different messages, one on each book of the Bible. We're calling it a chapel series. I'll be preaching it on Sunday nights, I suppose, until Jesus returns. And I hope you will uh, come and be a part of that with us. Uh, I'm starting tonight in Genesis, which I thought would be the appropriate place to begin. But this morning, John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. In another of Jesus' I am sayings, we find him in chapter 14, verse 6, saying, Remember, say it with me, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus went on to say, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. You may be seated. Thomas needed to know the way. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Uh, Peter needed to know the truth. He said, Lord, I'll die with you. And Jesus said, no, but you will deny me three times. It's Philip who raises the teaching about the life. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he begins to talk about the Father giving this life. And Philip says, you know, we just really would love to see the Father. Before, if you're going to go, before you go, just let us see the Father. And, and Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. How can you even ask that, Philip? I've been with you for these three years. Think of the, the sights we've seen. Think of the places we've been. Think of the words you've heard. In three years, have you not yet seen that the life that is flowing through me into others as I heal them, as I call Lazarus forth from the tomb, that life that is in me is the life of the Father, and I am giving that life as a gift to you. I studied the word life, zoe in Greek, not bios, their word for biology, but zoe, that is spiritual life, eternal life, the life of God. I studied it in the Gospel of John. Just a brief survey. In John chapter 1, verse 4, we find um, in the prologue, John saying, in Him, Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. When Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, Jesus said, um, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In chapter 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, There's a, a fountain of life that will spring up within you. In chapter 5, after He healed the lame man, He said, The one who believes in Me has crossed over from death to life. In chapter 6, He said, I'm the bread of life. In chapter 10, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. In, in chapter 11, he spoke to two grieving sisters and said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. In chapter 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In chapter 17, as he prayed for these same disciples on that same night, he said, and Father, this is life eternal to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And in chapter 20, verse 31, he said, I've written these things. Here's John the evangelist. I have written these things. Why? So that you may be informed? No. He said, so that you may believe 
and in believing have eternal life. It's as if you said to John, describe Jesus. I'll give you three words. And he said, way, truth, life. Okay, one word. One word. John, you're the beloved disciple. You walked with him three, for three years. You started following him when you left John the Baptist and followed him and asked him, we want to know where you stay. And for the last three years, you have stayed with him now. Now. John, in one word, who is he? That's easy. Life. Jesus is life. To have him, whoever has the Son, John would later write, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. Which means you and I just have to figure out one very important thing this morning. Do we or do we not want to live Think of the prophets in the Old Testament who stood before the people and said, I hold before you two ways. Here is the way of life. Here is the way of death. Why will you die? The soul that sins will die, but if you will trust in the Father, you will live. Don't confuse existence with life. Existence is bios, biology, but life is what Jesus came to give to us And He invites us to live today. And I'll tell you how desperately interested God is in you and I having His life. Jesus died our death so that we might live His life. Hear it in chapter 13 where Peter says, I'm going to go with you all the way to death. I would die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you wouldn't die for me, but... I am going to die for you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Chapter 15, verse 13. Go back to chapter 10 and hear Jesus say, right after he said, I've come that you might have life, he explains how he gives it. He said, the good shepherd, the word in Greek, the beautiful shepherd, lays down his life for his sheep. Did you know that Jesus had to die so that we could live? Do you know that he gave his very life? We live in the land of the dying. You don't have to read many newspaper columns. You don't have to listen to many uh, news programs to discover that we live in the land of the dying. Not once, but twice in the last week, I have heard the news of somebody that I loved greatly, unexpectedly, going home to be with the Lord. It's terrible. I mean, just think about all the the murders that we read about in the newspaper. I I read up in in Michigan that they had a problem up there. Three famous personalities in a single week were killed. Have you heard this? Tony the Tiger, uh, Toucan Sam, and uh, Captain Crunch all in the same week. The police think it's a serial killer. I don't know why I told you that. I have no idea why I shared that. It's terrible. It's awful. I admit it. Listen to what Jesus said about murder. He said in John chapter 8, verses 44 and 45, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. Listen to John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. God doesn't want us to die. God wants us to live. And in this land of the dying, He's the only hope that we have. I uh, heard this week about a a basketball player who used to live here in in Houston. True story. True story. Uh, a man named McCoy McLemore, his wife Claudette, and they were great servants of God. They attended another Baptist church here in town, and a friend of mine was their pastor at the time, and uh, they had four children, and they lost two of them 
One was stillborn. The second child, um, at the age of eight, a little girl, was diagnosed with sickle cell anemia. And uh, they were in the um, intensive care uh, room there, and my pastor friend was there with them when the little girl went to be with the Lord. And her mother, Claudette, was holding her in her arms, and he heard her pray these words, God, now you have two, and I have two. But if you take them all, I will still serve you. This is the hope and the faith of those who love the Lord. That Jesus Christ, He, he, de- he despises death. We read it in the story of His friend Lazarus. It says Jesus wept. Now Jesus loved Him and Jesus heard He was sick and He didn't go. And we don't understand that. It's like our perplexity when we hear about somebody we love going to be with the Lord. We don't understand why they died at that point. And... Uh, And Jesus goes and it says he weeps as he enters the cemetery, John 11, verse 35. But I studied that other word there in verse 38 where it says in the NIV, well, you know, he was still upset. He was more upset. That's imbrimalmai is a word that means Jesus was angry. He He was angry at death. And so if you and I become angry about death and the pain that it inflicts on us, we are just in keeping with the Lord Jesus Christ who looked at death and He despised it. Now, Catherine Marshall says Jesus broke up every funeral He ever attended. I want you to read about that in the Bible. Every time Jesus went to a funeral, He broke it up. I mean... One after another, the, the, the man who lost his child earlier in the Gospel of John. And Jesus goes and, and lifts that one to life. And Lazarus, he calls forth. I suppose he called him by name because when the one who's the resurrection and the life walks into a cemetery and says, come out, everybody has to come out. So Jesus had to be specific. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. But Jesus, even as he called him forth, knew that Lazarus would die again. Jesus knew that he was going to have to die, that in fact it would be his death, not only his vicarious death, but his victorious death that would eviscerate the power of death, that would evacuate the sting of of death and the power of the grave. That's why Paul would later write after he talked about the resurrection, where, O death, is your sting? Isn't he defiant when he says, where, O grave, is your victory? For the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is victorious even over death. Some of you were here with us on on Friday when we uh, had the uh, goodbye service for our friend John Huggins. John was a great man, just a great servant of a great God. And uh, amazing story that... John, uh, on Easter of this year, wrote a letter to his wife and his kids. And it said, Dear loved ones, one of these days you're going to hear that I have died. And when you do, don't believe a word of it. I will be more alive on that day than I have ever been. And then he quotes that, that great poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson, Sunset and Evening Star and One Clear Call for Me. May there be no moaning at the bar when I put out to sea. This is our hope as followers of Christ that we will see, as that poem says, our pilot face to face when we have crossed the bar. Jesus died our death. Why did He do that? So that we might live His life. 
life. He said, I've come that you might have life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He tries to explain to Philip. He's just said, Philip, this is the way to the Father, and the Father's in me, and I'm in the Father. And Philip says, great, can we see the Father? And Jesus says, how long have I been with you? Come on. You see life in me? That's the life of my Father. Same thing he says back in John chapter 5, verse 24. Those who believe in me have crossed from death into life. And then he says, the the Father has life in him. And he has put life in me so that I can give life to you who believe, who trust, who place their faith in the Father. You will have life in He says, what is our life? He says, it's the life of the Father. The same life that's in the Father is the life that's in the Son, is the life that we receive when we become followers of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to wait for heaven to get that life. We've already crossed over from death to life because we've experienced the eternal power of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. This is our life. And Jesus knows what they're feeling. Look, they're... They've been with Him for three years. They've seen amazing things in those three years. And now that's coming to an end. And they're wondering, what about me? We hear this from time to time. We're dealing with our little girl a little bit with abandonment of of, uh, her family right now. And just all that she's feeling in that. And, And as we're talking to her, she says, you know, if somebody kidnapped me and took me far, far away. And she said, I would get away from them. And I would go to the police. She said, If you found out where I was, would you come for me? And we say, yes, we would come for you. How long would it take you to come for me? A New York minute. As quick as we could get there, we would be there. She saw us send one of the boys away uh, to college earlier this year. And she said, who's going to be around when I go off to college? Who's going to send me away? And Melanie and I looked at her and said, well, we're going to send you away to college. She said, y'all are still going to be alive when I go away to college. How old must we look? You know, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to be alive. But you just think about it. That's what the disciples are saying. What are we going to do? You're going to go away and you've become our life and you're going away. How are we going to survive that? And Jesus says to them, I will not. Verse 18, chapter 14. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you in this world by yourself. But I will come to you like a little child, the choir sang. Run to him. Run to him because he will never leave you nor forsake you. The life we have is the life of the Father. The life we have, he says in John chapter 10, verse 10, is not just the Father's life. It's a full life. I don't mean by that the duration of life. There are no guarantees about that. I read about Jean Calment, uh, this lady in, in, in France. I guess I should say Calment. And uh, she lived to be 122. Imagine that. Imagine all she saw in 122 years. And now they're saying, the biologists are saying that they think through medical technology the time may come when when human beings could reach even a lifespan of 180 years. Anybody here want to live to be 180? I'm thinking no. I'm thinking right no. At 47, 180 just, woo. I don't even want to think what that would be like. No, Jesus isn't saying you're going to be modern day Methuselahs. You're just going to live forever here with all your aches and pains and difficulties. No, that's not what Jesus... He's saying, I want your life to be full because the measure of a life is not the amount of years in the life, but the amount of life in the years. It's it's not how long you live. My my friend Lester Collins uh, preached that funeral the other day for John Huggins. They were uh, both in the Navy back uh, in the war and... uh, 
and uh, he tells about, about his mom, and she lived into her 90s, and one day he went to see her, and she was kind of sad, and he said, why are you so sad? And she said, well, all my friends, I've outlived all my friends. All my friends have, have gone to heaven. He said, but why are you sad? She said, I'm afraid they think I went the other way. I mean, that'd be a terrible thing to fear, wouldn't it? Look, it's not how long you live. It's how full your life is. And think about it. If all the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus and Jesus lives in you, then how full should our lives be? Full of life, full of laughter, full of hope, full of joy, full of peace. God came. God sent His Son Jesus so that we might have life and have it in all its fullness. This is what God intended for us. Not just to live long but to live well, to have His fullness in us. So when my friend David Edwards uh, had a car crash last Friday at 4.20 in the afternoon, and by 5.30 after they medevaced him to to, uh, Hillcrest Hospital in Waco, and he was gone at 5.30, I look at his life and I think, you know what, he didn't live long enough for me. But I couldn't tell you today that he didn't live a full life. Because his life was full of ministry. They were going to adopt two kids. This past Tuesday, they were going to Taiwan to adopt a five-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. His life was full. Three children, uh, plus the two that they were going to adopt. Uh, They had opened a soup kitchen as part of Texas Hope 2010, our initiative to tell everybody in the state of Texas about Christ before Easter of next year. And they had opened a soup kitchen. They were feeding people on Wednesdays. And the local newspaper uh, said to him, it's great that you're feeding these people. They must be hungry and you're feeding them one day a week. And he said, these people aren't hungry just one day a week. These people are hungry every day. Oh, his life was full. His life was good and rich and right. He walked with the Lord all the way through the finish line. Let me just tell you something. Just hear me this morning. Our testimony is never safe until we get home. So we need to live for the Lord every day while we are here. And my friend David Edwards did that. Jesus said, I came that you might have life to the full. I came that you might have the Father's life, a full life. Listen, a forever life, ton ionion in Greek. The life that goes on and on forever. God's kind of life. The life that never ends. A life to which we will never have to say goodbye. Because the next time we see our loved ones, it will never end. And this is the hope that we have in Christ. Our life is a forever kind of life. W.B. Henson, that pastor up in Portland, Oregon, said, you know, there will come a day when that mountain I love will move, but I will still be alive. His doctor told him he wasn't going to live much longer. He had a favorite river. He said, river, I won't see you much longer, but when you cease to flow to the sea, I will still be alive. He looked up at the stars And he said, when you fall from your sockets in the sky, I will still be alive. A forever kind of life. And how do you get that life? By believing in Jesus Christ. My friend who is pastor out in Amarillo tells about a 30-year-old, Tricia Cannon. A young woman had a routine surgery. They thought it was routine. She had an aneurysm burst at the base of her brain. They tried and hoped that she would recover. She did not. She was on life support, and my friend was there with the family as they went in to say goodbye to her. The husband was last. He said, wait here, Pastor. I'll be out in a moment. He went in and said goodbye to his wife. He's in there for a period of about 30 minutes. He came back out, and he said, I'm ready. 
And my friend walked in that room as they were ready to disconnect the life support and found that this young man had opened his wife, Trisha's Bible, to John chapter 3 and placed her finger there at verse 16. And as she breathed her last breath, my friend said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe this? Believe this. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible if we only believe. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence with your people today. We delight, Lord, to love you and to serve you. We thank you that we can walk in your way. We thank you that we can trust in your truth. We thank you that we can live your life. Lord, help us to live your life today. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.